It's me. It's your man. It's your main man. It is Ol Walsh. I'm here. I'm back. I'm ready for episode number 43. Yes, I'm whispering like Joe Biden, baby. I'm back. Episode 43 coming your way. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And thank you, thank you, thank you for everybody's continued support. As always, I appreciate the hell out of all of you guys. So thank you so much for the continued support. There are not enough words to express my appreciation to everybody who continues to tune in and listen to the show. So thank you guys so much. And before we get to that show itself, you know what we're doing. We're doing that housekeeping. You guys know the deal. If you could, rate, review, comment, subscribe, share, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell that dude on the street. Let him know. It's time to go listen to old Wall's house. So I appreciate all you guys. Got a fun show coming. Our favorite coach, Coach Jeff Slanovic, he's back. We're going to talk some college basketball this week. Got the grim task of talking about the Green Bay Packers again. But I got the fun task of talking about the NFL, some college football. We're talking about the Philadelphia Flyers. They've got a winning record, people. We're going to talk about it. What else are we talking about? A couple fights. We got the World Series. And as you know, you're always getting my passing thoughts. There's some college football to talk about, too. So, before we just start wasting our lives with me rambling on, why don't we stop that? Why don't we get to it? Let's get into the show. Let's go to Coach Jeff Slanovic. Welcoming back everybody's favorite coach, Coach Jeff Slanovic, is back to join us today. And he's here to talk some college basketball. Coach Slanovic, how you doing? Doing great. Doing great. A week away from our season opener tomorrow, which means we're a week away from everybody's college basketball games getting underway, which is an exciting thing. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I've said this in my talking about baseball, that I'm a complete bandwagon fan for the Cleveland Indians, now Cleveland Guardians. I've realized I've kind of become that way for North Carolina as well, that I wasn't all that into them in the couple of years they sucked. And, you know, I always thought that I was just a diehard Carolina fan, but turns out maybe I was just a diehard Carolina fan because they were always good. So I'm very excited for them to be good again, hopefully. Yeah, it uh, it appears like uh, you're going to be off to at least a, a fun first month or so while, uh, while the poll is going to tell them that they're good. I think they are going to be good, and I'm sure we're going to get into that. But, uh, yeah, it should be a, a good year. It's been a good uh, 12, 13 months or so for Carolina basketball. Yeah, I mean, that's where, that's where I was going to start since they are the number one ranked team in both the coaches poll and the AP poll pretty significantly in both. Yep. Do you think, you know, th- the big worry for them is they had this kind of Cinderella run from the, the first Duke game, which I believe they lost. And then they really – they kind of found something after that. And then they beat Duke in Coach K's last game at Cameron. Nah, too bad, Coach K. And then they beat, you know, all the way through the run to the to the title game. But they kind of had a, a good chance to win 
yep. after leading in the first half, if I'm not mistaken. Can they take that kind of Cinderella run and like turn it into like being on top, being the top dogs? Like it's a very different, it's a very different approach. It, it is a very different approach. Uh, I would be a lot more concerned about them doing it if their group was very freshman class and very transfer heavy. Uh, however, they're going to return a ton of veterans, including one of the best players in the country. Um, they bring in one transfer that should be a, a significant impact kid. Um, I've been watching a little bit of Northwestern this offseason uh, in prep for my own season, and and Pete Nance is the real deal. Um, I think he fits uh, very well with that group, and I think he has a chance to be kind of a little bit like uh, – What's the uh, the Oklahoma Brady Manic was Brady for Manic. them last year? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I think they can. I think they can do it, but it is it is obviously different. Yeah, and like you said, they return a ton of people. They return four starters: Caleb Love, Leaky Black, Armando Baycott, R.J. Davis, and four starters who do kind of all sorts of different things. R.J. Davis, obviously, the point guard who runs the show. Caleb Love is a guy who scores in bunches, and one of those dudes, when he shoots, you're like, well, what do you – okay, here we go. And then Leaky Black, a defender, and Armando Baycott, a big guy. So, like, they've got pieces all over. They bring two guys off the bench, uh, Puff Johnson, and I can't think of the other guy's name at the moment. And then, like you said, Pete Nance transferring in from Northwestern to kind of fill a spot left by Brady Manick. A little different player, obviously, but definitely fills a hole that he left. So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. I am a little worried that like they weren't a great team for you know three four months of the year last year, and then just kind of found a groove as you can in basketball and get hot through a you know a single elimination tournament. And you know Caleb Love is making those shots that you know like I said you're going oh 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 no why why are you doing that? And then they go in. Like is that a recipe for long term success? Yeah, I, that's obviously the the question, right? That's obviously the question. I know there were a lot of times early in last year where you were not overly happy with North Carolina basketball. Uh, and at the very end, they were obviously a team there. 20 minutes to go, they had the lead at halftime of that uh, national title game. And um, I, if I had to guess, uh, I would guess that they're they're going to be someone that, that ha- is a force to be reckoned with this year. And I think they're going to be good. Are they the the number one team for sure? I I don't know, but I, I think you'd be crazy to think that anybody besides them is, is going to be uh, the favorites in the ACC. Yeah. So, I mean, as we're talking ACC, that kind of leads us to the next discussion is what is Duke look like this year? First year without coach K John Shire behind the helm. How does that team look this? I mean, it's tough to be the dude who follows the legend. Like you don't want to be the guy who follows the legend. You want to be the guy who follows the guy. No. And, and it's funny that you said that, right? Roy Williams was obviously not at, at UNC as long as, as coach K was, but there were a lot of questions with Hubert Davis about that mm-hmm. initially in terms of his hiring last year. And obviously one semester of, of it being really, really good doesn't automatically validate that. But I think that John Shires is going to have, some of those same types of, of questions of an assistant for a long time at, at Duke with coach K a, a player for coach K, but he's obviously not going to be coach K. Um, I don't think the listeners of this podcast would be surprised to hear me say that. I, I hope that uh, what I watch is not very good when Duke's on my television. <laughs> um, it, 
I did a quick look at their roster here in prep to, to chat with you. And I'm not going to lie. I don't know very many of the names, which makes me think that at least early on, it's going to be correct uh, in what I'm thinking. But uh, then you see that they've got the number one recruiting class in the country. Yeah. And, and who knows? Excuse me. We're, we're getting ads as we're, as you're talking there. Sorry to disrupt you. You're good. I, I respect everybody trying to make a buck. Energizer Max, if you're in case you're wondering, they're really going for it. On this, uh, John Shire has already put his stamp on Duke basketball after Coach K article. <laughs> but yeah, that's what what I clicked on was that they have the best new recruiting class in the country. So it'll be interesting to see how he handles that and no what he does with that. Yeah, because th- those are guys. This is really, I guess, last year for for some places was was uh, a normal preseason, but this is really like the the first real, real preseason where the entire country isn't really dealing with these COVID restrictions anymore. Mm -hmm. The kids were on campus this summer. They were there in the preseason. John Shire was obviously uh, the main guy recruiting a ton of them, right? So there, it's not like he's inheriting kids that weren't his or kids that were recruited by somebody else. I'm I'm sure they're going to be good players. Uh, If I had to guess uh, the, one of the big questions early on with Duke is going to be, uh, do they make enough shots? Uh, I know our good friend Matt Wader would tell us that the last couple of years when they've struggled, they uh, they do not do that. And with the way that the, the game is going, uh, if you can't shoot it, you better be really, really, really good at, at a lot of other things. Yes, yes. And so as I'm kind of looking down, you know, as we're talking about, you know, two top 10 teams in the preseason here. Duke is eighth and seventh in the coaches and AP. Uh, I'm seeing another of them as nine in a in Andy Katz's power rankings. And as I'm looking through this, I'm not seeing a ton of teams from one conference. I mean, if you look down the just go to the coaches poll, you go North Carolina, ACC, Gonzaga. What are they in the the WAC now? Or it could be something else. I can't keep track of that. I think it's still the West Coast Conference. Okay, Houston. Uh, Houston's is that? Are they the Big Twelve yet? Houston is in the AAC, I believe. AAC, at the moment. Then yep. Kentucky, SEC, Kansas, and Baylor in the Big 12, UCLA in the Pac-12. Duke, first time you get a, a double conference, then Creighton, Arkansas. Ten, like, there's a lot of spread out over conferences. And as you look down, there's it doesn't seem to be one dominant conference. Do you see a conference that is kind of going to be the dominant conference, you know, like the Big East was and, you know, the the – late 2000s early 2010s or the acc's been from time to time like is there a conference out there that's going to be you know head and shoulders above everybody else uh i don't know that they're going to be head and shoulders above everybody else um i think that that kentucky is going to be very good um they took that trip to i believe it was the bahamas over the summer there i i was blown away to find that they they're going to be potentially starting five seniors which is about the complete opposite of what you expect with a John Calipari Kentucky team. Um, And Tennessee is going to be pretty good. So that's two really, really good ones. If I had to pick, I think the big 12 is going to be really, really good. Um, Kansas is obviously the defending national champs and they still return a a number of those guys. If, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Baylor has become one of just the toughest outs uh, across the country the last couple of years with what Scott drew is doing. Chris Beard obviously uh, is going to get Texas going in in the right direction once again. 
Um, I don't know if we're going to talk about it or not, but I, I'm very, very high on, on one team in the Big 12 this year, and I think that's TCU. Uh, I think Jamie Dixon got a really raw deal when he was up at Pittsburgh, and, and all those people are now living with, with trying to run him out of town. And he's got a, a really good team coming back from uh, last year where they nearly beat Arizona in the second round. Um, and then these guys at Texas Tech play really, really hard for the guy who replaced Chris Beard, uh, whose name I'm blanking on right now. But uh, I think they're going to gonna be a, a, a good team down there. So if I had to guess, I, I would say the Big 12. Okay, okay. And it kind of leads me – I think you're kind of stumbling into, you know, without me telling you what another – a uh, Joey McGuire is the Texas Tech coach, by the way. And no, Joey McGuire is definitely not the Texas Tech coach. Texas Tech It's coach. definitely Mark Adams or something like that. Oh, shit. Joey McGuire is the Texas Tech football coach. <laughs> Whoops. Bad, bad, bad um, Googling after you've had a couple beverages on uh, Halloween night here. So uh, I think it's Mark Adams. That sounds right. All right. Well, so, but back to what I was saying. You've kind of stumbled into talking about kind of a an underdog sleeper team that I like throughout the year that kind of isn't getting in the press. And I know calling the 16th ranked team in the country an underdog or a sleeper in TCU might be a little bit of a stretch. But you kind of said you wanted to talk about them. So you mentioned Jamie Dixon had a good run at Pittsburgh for a while and, you know, kind of unceremoniously was kind of shown the door. What, what do you think about this TCU team? Uh, I just, uh, I was incredibly impressed, uh, when I watched that game last year, I, I, obviously as a Villanova guy, uh, I, I thought Seton Hall was, was pretty good. Um, I thought that when they played TCU in the first round, you don't really think of TCU as a basketball school. Um, you just think like, Oh, Seton Hall versus TCU, TCU's never on TV. Uh, Seton Hall's right here in my backyard. And, uh, they're going to win that game. And then all of a sudden they win. And then it's like, Hey, like now you're playing Arizona, but like Arizona has dudes and you hear about all these NBA players and all of a sudden you're watching them and, and they're, they're hooping with them. Um, and, and borderline um, ha- had a chance to win that game a, a couple times. Um, I believe they bring back every single starter from that team last year that obviously got to kind of feel a little bit of what success would look like or, or felt like in the NCAA tournament. Um, and I think they added, uh, I know they got a, a transfer from Creighton, who's another one of those top teams this year um, in the polls that you probably look and you go, Oh wow. Creighton top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, anytime you bring a, a group back and, and you return, all your starters uh, and you've got a power five school, you've got a good coach and Jamie Dixon. Um, that's an, immediately for me, a team that's like, all right, they got a chance to be better than people think. Yeah. And returning the preseason player of the year, uh, Mike miles jr. Yeah. Uh, he was going to leave. Yep. And they got him back and he's going to be the uh, preseason player of the year. Good play. Good guards down in, down in the Big 12. Uh, also, oh, yeah. Adam Flagler with Baylor and then Jalen Wilson with Kansas. He's kind of a guard forward kind of thing. Yeah, he played really right. well in the title game last year. Yep. So, yeah, I can I can see why you like A, I can see why you like TCU, and I can see why you like the Big 12. You mentioned your, uh, your Villanova Wildcats. What do you think for them this year? 
You know, I, I think uh, I, I by no means would, would call a team that went to the Final Four last year uh, a sleeper. I know they're a little bit banged up from what the reports are coming out. I know Cam Whitmore is supposed to be one of the top uh, top freshmen in the country, and uh, he's out right now, I believe. And one of their other guards, I believe, has been in and out of stuff early this season as well. But um, I think for me as a Villanova guy, I'm more excited to just see what the Kyle Neptune era looks like. Um, to me, it seemed like Jay Wright was like, eh, I've had enough with this new way that college basketball is going. And he's kind of taken Villanova as far as, as you could take that program. And I think I'm interested to see just, uh, if the things that, that were really, really important on, on television, at least to the Jay Wright teams are, are the same things that are really important to, uh, the Kyle Neptune one here. Yeah. Kind of a surprising exit by Jay Wright, kind of out of nowhere and, just really surprising. I mean, there, there's not really another word for it. I don't think anybody saw it coming as like a big, you know, as yourself, a big Villanova fan. Did you, I mean, did you ever think that was going to be the case? Just it'd be out of nowhere and he's gone. Uh, no, I, I did not mainly because of the run that they've had the, the last uh, gosh, five or six years um, where they've been consistently one of the top teams in the country. And even in a year last year where you're like, Hey, like, are they really one of the best teams? They end up in, in the final four, right? And and most people would have probably said that they had a chance to give uh, them a game in the final four last year. And then um, obviously Justin Moore gets hurt in the final couple seconds of the the Elite Eight game, and that's about it. And I believe what uh, what we would all recall is one of the uglier. NCAA tournament games we've all watched that Houston Villanova game last year where two teams just guarded each other. Um, but no, I, I think the only reason you would find it surprising is if you looked into kind of the detail of where Jay Wright's teams have typically gotten their kids from. They, they've never had the best recruiting classes in the country. They've always found the perfect Villanova guy. And I know that's something that they really preach in the recruiting process. So if you believe that uh, there's a chance that the new NIL rules and the way that uh, recruiting has changed, given all of that, that would be the only thing that you'd be like, okay, like now I can see a time where like, is Villanova going to continue to be able to get the guys that they want and that they need that fit what they do within this new landscape? Or can he just cruise onto CBS sports on Saturday to, to do games for television and ride off into the sunset, which obviously that was the path that, uh, that he's chosen, but no, I think it was a surprise to everybody. Yeah. It surprised me. And you're, characterization of Villanova and Houston as just guarding each other very well is kind to them, <laughs> I think, to say the least, because that may or may not have been one of the worst basketball games I have ever watched in my entire life. I, I thought it was great, especially <laughs> seeing Villanova come out on top in, in the end. Uh, was very excited for their uh, their Final Four appearance until Obviously, I saw the uh, the injury to Justin Moore. They they were not deep enough to to have to worry and and deal with one of those. So that made the Final Four game not quite as enjoyable to watch. But uh, it is weird to to take a look at rankings and and see another Big East team that's ranked above them to start the year. That's for sure. Yep. Okay, I'm gonna do it to you. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna ask you. Give me a Final Four. I know it's way too early. You haven't seen anybody play a single game. 
Give me a final four. God, give you a final four. Uh, well, the, the one is easy just because I, I trust that either he's going to have a team that can get there and everybody is going to give him crap for not getting there or he's going to get there because he does it a lot. I'll, I'll say that Kansas gets back there. Um, Bill Self either seems to be like, oh, wow, Bill Self's doing Bill Self things again or Bill Self's doing Bill Self things for a bad reason. They, they might lose in like the 3-14 game in the first round. Um, but I would say them. Uh, I believe that Kentucky is is very good. Um, I, I think that John Calipari's got something brewing. You don't see a group stick around like his group has stuck around at Kentucky together um, for a really long time. Um, it's a more chalkish year, but I'll, I'll take Gonzaga. Um, eventually, they're going to get it done, and I'm going to be right <laughs> on them when they do, and I'll be able to put to bed how many times I've picked them and and uh, they haven't gotten the job done. And um, I guess who am I to, to go against my my word if I don't say TCU, right? Well, I'll throw my sleeper in there. Who knows? Um, we'll throw TCU in there. So we'll say two Big 12 teams to fit my Big 12 being the best. I'll say Gonzaga and I'll say Kentucky figures it out here. Yeah, we didn't really talk. We didn't really even mention Gonzaga. That I believe they bring back – what's the big guy's name? Drew Timmy? Is that his yeah, name? Yeah, Drew, T- Drew Timmy's back. Good recruiting class. Yeah, and they had they just lost the skinny big guy, right? They lost Chad Holmgren to, who, to the Thunder. Who uh, I think is going to be the absolute bust of all busts. Uh, we'll have to follow back up on that at some point in the NBA season as the season gets going. But I, I'm going to go – I'll go on record. I'll say I think that dude is the bust of all busts in the NBA. I would, uh, I would like to hope that you're incorrect. Yes, as you enjoy thunder upping. Um, so before we leave, before we before we wrap this up, we talked D one college basketball. Let's move to the D three level, Coach. How's the squad looking? Uh, we uh, we we look good. Um, we we've got to stay healthy. Um, depth is is obviously going to be uh, a little bit of an issue. We only return uh, eight guys from last year's team, so more than half our roster is new. Um, all those guys who have come back have, have made really good strides both on and, and off the court or in locker room type of stuff. Our leadership has, has taken a jump to the next level. Uh, the rumors through the grapevine are that our guys in the offseason have done a fantastic job and, and our conditioning in the preseason would, uh, would agree with that. But, but we're, uh, we're excited and we're optimistic. And we've got a group that, that doesn't lose anybody this year. So everything – that we've got going on right now, we're going to have for at least two years. Um, and with some of them potentially a, a third year down the road. So um, we're, we're excited. Um, we've got a lot of work to do. We, we're definitely going to be playing better basketball a month from now than, than we are now and so on and so forth down the road. But uh, we get things underway against a really good Stockton team on Friday in a scrimmage that made it to the sweet 16 last year. And then we open up with an Ursinus team that, uh, is really, really talented next Tuesday. So uh, we got our hands full right away, but we've never been one to shy away from, from a, a good schedule, and this year's no different. Yeah, I was going to say, I just pulled the schedule up. We got uh, one week from you know tomorrow, as we're recording, as most people listen, one week from the day they listen, your sinus at home, and then you're off to the Buffalo Wild Wings Classic. Look at you guys. And uh, Maine Maritime. Do we? What do we know? I'm just, I've seen most of these other schools 
What do we know about Maine Maritime? Uh, we do not know much about Maine Maritime. Um, the only thing I think I know about Maine Maritime is that I believe that they're staying in the hotel that we're staying in for two nights instead of one, because when I called to talk about our room block that Stevenson uh, graciously gives us for, for that tournament, uh, they asked if we were staying a second night, and I didn't know that was an option, but at FDU, we love our kids to be in class, so we're just going to be down there for one night. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know the second night was an option, and then I found out that it wasn't. That was that was for one of the other teams. Uh, Maine is not overly close to us or Stevenson, uh, so I assume that they're the team that's going to be down there for for uh, for two nights. That's one about all that I think. know about Maine Maritime at this time. And you know what? It's good to hear, you know, Coach Slanovic uh, emphasizing the student and student athlete for the uh, for the FDU Florum. What are you guys again? What are you? Devils, the Devils. That's right. The devils. FDU Florum Devils. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing, I, you know, I love the Saturday afternoon games you guys play. It's oh, a yeah. perfect time to kick back, throw you guys on the TV and watch along. So I'm looking forward to the Devils season. We're, uh, we'll definitely have you back on to, to follow up with, you know, college basketball is, you know, on the D1 level, but we looking forward to hearing from you and uh, how the Devils are doing uh, this year as well. Always, uh, always great to spend a few minutes with you. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you having me. Um, I should probably just go figure out some of this main maritime stuff, right? That's a week away. Yeah. Main maritime next, uh, not this Friday, right? That's next right. Friday, you'll next be, Friday. Uh, you'll be on the court with them and, Owens Mills, Maryland. At, That's uh, right. Just outside Buffalo of Baltimore. Buffalo Wild Wings Classic. What a tournament. What a tournament to kick off the year for you, Coach. No doubt. No doubt. Always great to get away and get our guys in the hotel and take them out to eat a little bit. And uh, It'll be a good weekend. We're excited to get going. So, Love it. Love it. Well, anything else you want to toss in before we, uh, before we wrap this up here? Uh, n- no, not nothing else to toss in other than that. The Cowboys are back. The Cowboys are back. They're going to be back. They're going to be rolling. If I'm wrong, I'm going to be at least right for two more weeks because they have a bye next week. Uh, <laughs> but to all the listeners of the show, it's, it's great to see that the Cowboys are back. It's officially football season. It's officially college basketball season. Uh, let's go. Okay. Last thing before we let you go, you brought up the Cowboys. Should they stick with Tony Pollard or should they go back to Zeke? Oh God, that's a that's a, a question that uh, us Cowboys fans have been asking ourselves for uh, a really long time. Uh, I think that there's value in both of them. Uh, I really, really do. Uh, my concern is that you have one guy who now knows that he's really, really good. Also, uh, do I think he's better than Zeke? Yeah, right now probably. Would I? Would I have said that in Zeke's first or second year when he was really, really good too? Uh, probably not. But um, you've got one guy who doesn't even make a million dollars, I don't think, in Tony Pollard, and he knows what Zeke makes. And uh, I don't know what we're going to – we're probably going to – as a Cowboys fan, I'm sure we'll have a extremely disappointing finish to this year and some <laughs> incredible missed call or great replay <laughs> review or – the season will come down to an onside kick or something of epic proportions. And then whatever the decision is, I'm sure we'll make the wrong one. Uh, that'll set us back for a couple of years. So, uh, but we're back in, in the meantime. Well, you could be a Packers fan. So just, you know, take, take the good things while you got them. The, the Packers are not back. <laughs>
No, not back at all. All righty. Well, Coach, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Jordan. Okay. We got to talk about the Packers. Three and five now. 27-17 loss against the Buffalo Bills. Hey, Buffalo's a good team. Buffalo's a good team. But, you know, just another loss. Just another loss. What's kind of crazy, if you look at the final stats of this game, a little interesting. So my, I'm going to try and take the positives, the positives out of this at this point. The Packers outgained the Bills, 398 yards to 369. They had more first downs, 21. They had more time of possession, 33 minutes to 26 minutes, and less turnovers. They still lost, but hey, you know, positives. I'm, I'm going for positives. Other positives. In the first half, Aaron Jones, 80 yards of the 132 the Packers gained. Bills were still up 24-7. It's okay. It's okay. We're going positives. And the positive was the Bills had the league's number one rush defense going into the game, allowing only 76.2 yards. The Packers ran for 208. 208 yards on the ground. Pounding the football. 31 carries. 20 for Aaron Jones for 143. A.J. Dillon had 10 for 54. Getting after it on the ground. Still lost. Still lost. But you know what? We're gonna take we're gonna take the little victories. 24 touches for Aaron Jones. I've been begging for 20 to 25. And they gave him 24. And he produced. Okay. Okay. I'm working. I'm working for the positives here, people. I'm working for the positives. I'm trying not to lose my fucking mind. You know what was another positive? Romeo Dobbs. He caught a ball. A hell of a ball. In that moment, I was like, holy shit. Holy shit, we're here. We got this. We're going to do it. We're going to come alive. We didn't. That didn't happen. But he caught one. He didn't drop it. We're progressing. We're moving forward. We're catching the football. I mean, the other, the wide receivers, still trash. But, you know, Romeo Dobbs caught it. Romeo Dobbs caught the ball. The line can't block for passing very much. Didn't, I don't, but hey, hey. Romeo Dobbs caught it. We're going to go with that. All seriousness, though. Three and five. Here's actually interesting. First loss for the Packers on primetime in 14 games. The Packers had been 13 had the 13 game winning streak going in primetime. 13 games. Been going great. Problem is now they lost. Now they're three and five. I don't know what the the path is to the playoffs. And it's interesting. The defense has, you know, just as I'm looking at my other notes here, the defense has six first-rounders on defense, six first-round draft picks. I don't know what more they need to do, but they need to do something more, apparently. 
so three and five. I think I think the year's done. I, I, I it's done. Like I, I know I got it that last week, but it's it's done done. There was hope, but it's done done. There's there's no way out of this anymore. There's too many good teams ahead of them, and I just don't know what they're gonna do. There's just not an answer. So it might be fire sale time. I don't think they'll do it, but it might be fire sale time. Trade deadline is Tuesday at 4 p.m. They can't be buyers. Like, they're not going to go get Chase Claypool now, are they? I just don't know. I just don't know. I think, we're, I think we just got to turn, turn our attentions to being a fan of the NFL because it's one of the best leagues to just be a fan of the league. So, I guess, start the fire sale. Just might as well just send Rodgers out to the 49ers. Get Jimmy G back. Fuck it. Run with Jimmy G. He's better than Jared Love, isn't he? Jared Love. Jordan Love. I think that might be the path. I think it's time. I think it's time to start the fire sale. That's all I got in the Packers. There's There's just not much good things to say. Let's go around the rest of the NFL now. What do you say? So, you know, just a couple. You know, what do you know? Sunday. Good Sunday of football. Shockingly. I know, right? It's amazing that it just keeps happening every Sunday. I sit around and watch football and have a great time. Well, until until the evening this week, obviously. But, yeah. How about some of these crazy games? Um, Let's start with the Panthers game. DJ Moore taking the top off the defense in the last seconds. From P.J. Walker, that's his, their quarterback's name, right? P.J. Walker, he's not my fantasy team, I should know. Got to double check. Yeah, P.J. Walker. Yeah, P.J. Walker, He took. The, they took to him and D.J. Moore, took the top off the defense, and then Mr. D.J. Moore made a mistake. He got a little too, a little too happy celebrating. <clears throat> and that there was a big mistake. Because they got a 15-yard penalty. It backed up the extra point to, I think, 41 yards. And Eddie Perino, Panero, Panero, Panero. Eddie Perino is a former golf pro I used to know. Eddie Panero missed the uh, point after the extra point. So they go to overtime, 34-34. And I'll tell you the truth, guys. I'm watching it, but I had to do. I had to get out and mulch some leaves in my yard, and it was like, oh, I'll let the I'll let the early games end while the 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 late games just get started. I'll go do that for like an hour, and they'll be back, and I won't miss anything like too important. I see the Panthers pick the pick the ball off, return it down to the twenty. I'm like, oh, this game's over. I go outside to mulch leaves. I come back and I see he missed another field goal. He missed a thirty-two yarder. Then Marcus Mariota said, I got this. I got this. I'm going to drive it down the field. And he drove it down the field. And they got the field goal. So, how about it? What a game. What a game. The Saints, are the, the Saints offense, they've been scoring some points with, uh, with the Red Rocket back there. If you look back at their last few games here, I'm going to try and do that for you here while we talk. They have started to find a groove. And you know who really found a groove this week? Was Alvin Kamara. Oh, Roquan Smith heading to the Ravens. Roquan Smith to the Ravens. 
So, yeah, Alvin Kamara really found himself in a little bit of a groove this week. But, yeah, you look back the last couple weeks for the Saints. 24 points this week, 34 points last week, and then 26 the week before, and 39 the week before that. So they've they've found a way to put some points up. My man Kamara getting some points on the board. I like it, man. I like it. It's it's good. I my fantasy team needed it. My good fantasy team, my my Wisconsin League fantasy team needed some some pickups from its from its dudes, and I got that this week. I got it from. I'll, I'll just talk about it. I'll, I got it from my boys. I got it from Kamara. Cooper Cup had a good week. I don't know what the, the status on him is. I actually need to, should look more into that. Dak Prescott had a solid week. My man Christian McCaffrey, he figured it out. He figured it out big time. 94 yards, three TDs, three different ways of getting into the end zone for Mr. McCaffrey. He threw one, he ran one, and he caught one. He is the first person to do that since 2005, and Ladanian Tomlinson, who did that back in 05. So yeah, so moving back around, I, I wrote this down. I literally wrote this down. I was like, hmm, I've never, I never imagined myself saying that for a, for a long time. Patriots with a big win over the Jets. Never thought I'd say that, but yeah, Patriots with a big win over the Jets. They go to four and four, and are now just outside the hunt for the playoffs. So that was, I mean, I just could never imagine that. You know, uh, another team with a big win, the Cowboys. Big win to keep up. They got to keep up in their division. The Eagles are seven and zero. Cowboys are six and two. Plenty of time left, but there's you know a couple teams kind of getting out and running. Right now, the NFC East has three teams in the playoff picture, and the Washington Commanders are four and four, just outside it. We'll come back to that. The Giants, while we're talking about the NFC East, they kind of fumbled away a win, both literally and figuratively. And, you know, that was a big win for the Seahawks, who are figuring some things out. They're 5-3 and three in another good division. So, if you just look at some of the big divisions, the AFC East is a nutty division right now. It, it's kind of funny that there's it's kind of boiled out this way in both ones. So, the AFC East, you got the Bills, who... Bills, Eagles, Vikings, you know, Chiefs. That's probably the best teams in the leagues, right? Ravens maybe sticking around, but so you got the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, who have been pretty solid, pretty solid all year, and the Patriots, who just won't go away. All five hundred are better in the AFC East. A team, a division that sucks in the AFC is the AFC South. Titans are five and two. Colts are three, four, and one. Jags are two and six, and the Texans are—they're terrible. They're one, five, and one. So that's a shitty division. Out in the AFC West, you're talking Chiefs, Chargers. Like that's who it's going to come down to. And Broncos—you never know—they get the morning win. The Raiders seem to be trash. They go over to the NFC. Like we said, the NFC East is stacked. Eagles, Cowboys, Giants, and then the Commanders are four and four, kind of sneaking around. Outside of that, the NFC is not great. You can go, the NFC North sucks outside of the Vikings, Bears, Packers, Lions, all terrible. NFC South, I mean, Falcons are 4-4. Four four. They're only team at 500 better. The, the Bucks have issues. 
Is time catching up to Tom? They were the home dog on Thursday night and did not bring home a win. Saints, like we said, they're, they're figuring out how to play offense, and then the Panthers just aren't very good. NFC West is an interesting one because while there's only one team above 500 in the Seahawks, the other three teams in that division are interesting. The 49ers may be starting to figure something out. Maybe starting to figure something out. You don't know. The Rams and then the Cardinals. 49ers are 4-4. Four and four. Rams are 3-4. and four. Cardinals are 3-5. and five. Cardinals definitely behind the eight ball there. But interesting divisions. Interesting divisions there. Yeah, Cardinals had a tough loss against the Vikings this week. So, kind of a big Monday night game for the Bengals. I mean, it feels like it feels like the Bengals are just every game is big for them right now, just because of where they are. Like they're trailing the Ravens and they're trying to keep pace. They can go to five and three, or they can go to four and four with a loss. So, interesting game that we'll definitely be talking about coming back from from the from the Monday Night Football addendum here, and a lot to keep our eye on. By the time a lot of people listen to this, probably the you know the trade deadline will have passed or be rapidly approaching that is thursday at 4 p.m eastern time so you know this won't start tuesday at 4 p.m so you know this pod will drop tuesday morning and you know like i said by the time most people listen to it, we might be finding out a lot of things about the trade deadline so you never know you never know um i'm looking forward to seeing where this the rest of the season goes now i'm pretty much stepping back and i'm just an nfl fan the packer fandom is pretty much gone now so just gonna sit back and see what happens Well, it's over in Cleveland, and the Cleveland Browns take down the Cincinnati Bengals in kind of a stomping, 32-13. A big loss for the Bengals. We've kind of reached that point of the year where you can see the ramifications of every loss. And I I know you can kind of always see that throughout the year, but we've got to the point where you can really see it clearly. Where the Bengals could have gone to five and three and kept pace with the Ravens, but instead they're now four and four, a full game back. And you have to wonder how it goes for them moving forward. Looking forward for the Bengals. They've got the Panthers next week. That's a winnable game. Then they've got a bye. Then they're at the Steelers on Sunday night football. Two very winnable games. But then they got a couple tough ones at the Titans, at the Chiefs. Back to the Browns, the Bucks. nobody knows about them. The Patriots, after that, seem to be catching their stride. Then the Bills and the Ravens to end the season. So their second half of the season's tough. And this game, in what you would have, assume, would have assumed was a winnable game, it really might come back to haunt them. Like, 9-8, and 10-7 could be the difference. You know, or 10-7, and 11-6 could be the difference in the AFC. Just looking at the you know the quick standings for the the you know the wild card and the playoffs and everything like that, they're on the outside looking in right now. So it, the, these it, it, like I said, everything you can really see the shape of everything going forward, and just kind of watching the game on and off tonight, it, it they looked bad. Obviously, like it, they didn't look good. But, man, that was a game they, they should have won. Just quickly looking at the stats, Burrow got sacked five times. You know, they've talked a lot about you know, retooling this line, retooling this line. Five more sacks. 
He went 25 of 35 for 232, two touchdowns and interception. They had no running game. 41 yards, only 27 for Mixon. Spread it around to the receivers, which is which is I think is always a good sign. But you know you got to protect him. On Cleveland side of the ball, Jacoby Brissett, seventeen and twenty-two, two seventy-eight and a touchdown. He only he got sacked twice. He rushed for six, rushed six times for twelve yards too. Nick Chubb had a nice night, twenty-three attempts, hundred and one yards, a good little outing from Kareem Hunt, forty-two yards on eleven attempts, so solid. Amari Cooper was a stud for the guy for the Browns, five for one thirty-one. Peoples Jones turning into a very nice player, four for eighty-one. The Browns are probably a little too far out of it to kind of make a make a push in anything, but you never know. Three and five probably not going to be able to get anything done. But if you look at their schedule going forward, well, they got Dolphins. They they could win that game. The Bills not a great look. They're off next week. But yeah, then after the bye week, Dolphins, Bills, Bucks. Nobody knows. Texans, not good. Bengals again. Ravens, Saints, who knows? Commanders, who knows? Steelers. So probably probably a little little out of the a little out of reach for them to to think about playoffs. But yeah, Jacoby Percet looking at the you know the postgame interview. Season high pass yards. I I don't know what the deal is, what they're gonna do if Deshaun Watson's coming back or not, but I don't think it'll matter much one way or the other. So looking forward to next week. Let's see if they got any lines up. We're doing this late Monday night. Let's see if we got any lines for next week. Oh, we do. Packers giving three at the Lions. Oof. The Eagles are giving 13 Thursday night against the Texans. That's incredible. I love the Vikings giving three and a half at the Commanders. Book that one. Jets are getting 12 and a half early, early game on Sunday. I like the Jets in that. Getting 12 and a half from the Bills. I, I like the Jets to cover that. Not win, but cover. What else do we got? Oh, Raiders and Jags. Talk about toilet bowl right there. Uh, Dolphins giving five against the Bears. Give me the Dolphins. Chargers giving three at the Falcons. I like the Chargers. Seahawks only getting one and a half against the Cardinals. That tells you a lot about what's going on there. In the game of we don't know who the fuck we are, the Rams at the Buccaneers. Buccaneers are three-point favorites at home. Chiefs and Titans Sunday night. And then a game that I think could be pretty fun next Monday, Ravens at the Saints. So I'm going... Ah, uh, okay. Here we what we got. We'll take the Packers, given the three, they'll beat the Lions. We'll take the Vikings, given the three and a half at the Commanders. We'll take the Jets, getting 12 and a half at home. And we'll take the Dolphins, giving five on the road at the Bears. Just two three o'clock games next week. Interesting. All right, that's all we got for the Monday Night Football Wrap-Up. College football a time. Clarky's Corner. Let's recap Clarky's Corner.
Clarky. Three and one this week. Old Walls. One and three. Not a great week for Old Walls. Clarky went with Florida getting 22 and a half against Georgia. I rode with Georgia. Final score, 42 to 20. I was hooked. I was hooked. Clarky picks up the win. I pick up the loss. We both rode with Wake minus four against Louisville. They lost 48 to 21. Not a good pick there. Oklahoma minus one and a half versus Iowa State. I rode with Iowa State. They lost 27 to 13. Oklahoma covers easily. Win for Clarky. We both pick up a win with Miami of Ohio. My only win of the week. They cover their eight and a half in a 27 to nine victory over Akron. Clarky moves to 2019 and one. Old Walls falls to 23, 16 and one. Making up some ground for Clarky. This week, this week, Clarky likes Purdue minus four and a half versus Iowa. I'm all about that. Iowa sucks dick. Ohio State minus 37 and a half against Clarky's own Northwestern Wildcats. I'm going to ride with Northwestern. 37 and a half is a boatload of points. Kentucky minus two and a half against Mizzou. I'll ride with Clarky. I think Kentucky bounces back. And Tulane minus seven and a half against Tulsa. I don't know why. I just got a feeling about Tulsa. Give me the points. Give me the seven and a half. So I'm going to diverge with him on two bets this week. Two bets. All right, let's move into the week that was. Penn State. They hung around and even took the lead into the fourth quarter. They had the lead at halftime. Really interesting. As Ohio State was going to half, really interesting that they, instead of just kicking a field goal late in the second half, I think it's four or five, six seconds, they tried to get a play, they get sacked, don't get any points. In the end, it turns out not to matter. After Penn State takes the lead, the way Penn State took a, the lead was kind of wild. So, fourth quarter, fourth down, Penn State kicks a field goal. They miss, but a false start makes them kick it over. They miss again. This time, there's another flag on the play. This time, it's on the defense. A legal formation lining up over the center. So then Penn State goes for it and gets it and then ends up scoring a touchdown. Then, all hell broke loose for Penn State. Ohio State scores quickly on the next drive. The immediate two plays later, I think Penn State ran one running play. Catron Allen, number 13. Dude's a player. And then Sean Clifford, strip sack. I think he turned the ball over four times in the game. So, you know, Penn State played the perfect game for, well, not even the perfect game, because Clifford was throwing picks. They had their chance, man. They should have been up more. Like, Clifford threw two picks in the first half, I think, then got strip-sacked and threw a pick-six in the second. Four turnovers. Can't be Ohio State doing that. you got to play the perfect game. They played, like, somewhat kind of good game. Ohio State is way better, and the talent showed up. It's just all it was. The talent showed up. There was a point in time where there's always a point in time where talent defeats luck. 
And that time came in the fourth quarter. Ohio State showed up and showed why they're a way better team. And Marvin Harrison Jr. is an incredible player while we're talking about it. Elsewhere, uh, Notre Dame, big upset over Syracuse. Syracuse had the lead, just a bad five quarters of football for Syracuse. Had the lead going into the fourth quarter against Clemson while they were undefeated, and then lose the, Sy- lose the Notre Dame in the next week. Tennessee, night game Tennessee, they throw on them jerseys that look so banging, and then they just absolutely kick the ever-loving shit out of Kentucky. Just kick the shit out of them. So yeah, so that's all I had for the week that was. Looking forward, a few, not a few, a couple, a couple great matchups. I said a few because I wrote down Penn State's matchup. So let's start with Penn State's bullshit matchup. Penn State heads to Indiana. Penn State's the type of program that dumps one of these last couple games. Instead of finishing the year 10-2, and two, they go 9-3. and three. And Instead of going to a really good bowl game, they go to some dog shit bowl game. That's the type of team. That's the type of team and program Penn State is, and the type of coach James Franklin is. Great matchups, both in the SEC. Probably not a surprise there. Alabama versus LSU, and then the Big Daddy. Georgia versus Tennessee. What a game we're going to get Saturday afternoon! Cannot wait. Love to see it. That this. These are the kind of college football games you live for. They're not always the type of college football games you get, but they're the type of college football games you live for because they're incredible, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see it, and I cannot wait to talk about it next week. Let's talk about the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers. So, not a bad week. Not a bad week. Two games this week, just two games. 1-0-1, little bit of a disappointing loss to the Hurricanes. But let's start first on Thursday. So, they had a little bit of a layoff. They last played on Sunday. Had a tough game. The Florida Panthers coming into town. Remember, they, they lost by a goal against them a couple weeks back. And what a win. What a win. They beat the Panthers. It was a good game to watch. God, well, it was like kind of like crazy because you're like watching it. And the Flyers were outshot 51-22. to 51-22. to 22. It was nuts, but somehow they go down two goals early in the first in the first period, and then they come back and get the four three win. I believe they scored scored three goals in the second. Let me double check that here. But yeah, it was a a good win against a team with I think they again I think they had the best record in the league last year. So, <laughs> you know, obviously the part that you look at, you're like, uh, this isn't working. Is that they got out shot fifty one to twenty two? I don't know if they've had more shots on goal in any game at all this season. And yeah, they went down 2-0. Oh, I'm sorry. I was getting my games mixed up. The In the in the Panthers game, yep, I, I'm remembering back now. They were trading goals early and then got a couple of goals in the second to go up 4-2, gave a goal up to start the third, and then held on. So my apologies. But yeah, Carter Hart had 48 saves in that game. Carter Hart is undefeated this year, 5-0. Five and zero from Carter Hart, so that's that's impressive. Saturday, Saturday was a heartbreaker. Um, he did get the loss. Carter Hart did get the loss here, undefeated in regulation. I should have said. So yeah, Carter Hart again though, thirty eight saves, just uh, got a ton of shots on goal. 
again, the, the Panthers got out. Not the Panthers. That's football. Carolina Panthers. No, the, the Hurricanes, they got out early. They scored two in the first. Then the Flyers come back and score three in the second, like I said, and give up just kind of a heartbreaking goal. With about two minutes, just over two minutes left in the third period. Game goes to overtime where they lose in overtime. And like I said, kind of a heartbreaker. It was the, I felt like some of the better they've looked this year, just from, you know, my, you know, my idiot brain here. They actually kind of kept the shots similar, I believe. Similar ish. So 38 to 29. But I mean, that's been, been better than usual. So, you know, 101 picked up, you know, three points this week. Only five teams in the league with more points. I know we're early. I know it's really early. But, you know, hey, they're they're hanging in tough. They're in third in the Eastern Division, in the Metropolitan Division of the Eastern Conference behind the Rangers, who they get to play on Tuesday. And then the New Jersey Devils, who they own a win over. The New Jersey Devils kind of a surprise as well. So, this week, three games. Rangers. So, got got a chance to get a win against somebody up ahead of you in the division. Then they have the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, while having 10 points, are down near the bottom of the Atlantic Division. And then they play the Ottawa Senators, who are at the bottom of the Atlantic Division, all on the road. So, all away games this week. Got to find a way to to make it through that all right. And then they get, uh, you know, a couple more games, three more games next week. So, four more games next week. With many of them coming at home, so get through the get through this little road trip here. See if they can get you know three or four points out of this, and then come out kind of you know continuing to inch inch forward and don't give up ground. Hopefully that uh, they can do that. They're not inching backwards. So that'll that'll do it on the Flyers this week. Okay, quick fight game here. Just one thing really to discuss: uh, Vasily Lomachenko back makes his return to the ring. Been out of the ring for about a year almost had been in Ukraine and one of the territorial defense forces, so he'd been out of the ring for a while. He comes back and fights Jermaine Ortiz, who had just last fought when he fought, um, oh my gosh, Jamel Herring. Jeez, I almost lost it. When he fought Jamel Herring, sent him into retirement. Jamel Herring, a former 130-pound champion, was trying to stand at 135 and just wasn't really his thing, so he has retired. He's kind of at the end of his rope, but still was a, a kind of an upset there. So Lomachenko ends up winning, unanimous decision. On the scorecards, it was a score of 115 to 113, 116-112, 117-111. I've got a big problem with 117-11. I've got a good-sized problem with 116-112. The biggest problem, obviously, is 117-111. I thought Lomachenko looked okay in this fight. I did not think he looked great. I did not think he looked good. I thought he looked okay. Age might be showing up. He was out of the ring for a year. He's an older guy. I think he's 36 now, if I'm not mistaken. But I, I wasn't I wasn't impressed. I will say that. He's 34, sorry. A lot of amateur fights on his on his uh resume though, so a lot of damage over the years. But not impressed. Not impressed with what he did. He started super slow, kind of as usual. I had him losing the first four rounds. I thought Jermaine Ortiz looked great in those first four rounds. In those first four rounds, I was like, man, if the only question I had, and it turned out to be it's something he couldn't do, he just couldn't keep up the pace. Jermaine Ortiz could not keep up the pace he set in those early rounds. But I thought he won those first four rounds going away. And, you know, looking at some of the other judges' scorecards, 
going into round four, one judge, the judge who had him winning 116-112, he had him up 3-1. I can kind of get behind that. The judge who had it 117-111 had it tied 2-2, as did the judge who had it 115-113, for that matter, is that they had it 2-2 coming out of the first four rounds. I I don't know about that, man. 2-2, I mean, it, he was really dominating in those first four rounds, pumping the jab, moving. Lomachenko couldn't get... Lomachenko, you know, usually can really turn a guy in the direction he wants him and kind of get to his side and get, hit him with some blind stuff and just couldn't do it. And... So I, I had him lose the first four rounds. I scored it either 115-113 for Loma or 114-114. I have a, a round, the seventh, that I don't know which way I'd go. But if it goes to Loma, it's 115-113. If it goes to Jermaine Ortiz, it's 114-114. Both the judges who scored at 116-112 and 117-111 both gave the last six rounds to Loma. Uh, I did give Loma the last four I gave the eighth to Ortiz, and then that seventh was that kind of toss-up round for me. I will admit, I wasn't. I don't know if I was paying the best attention at that point, so I could have missed something. But I was, I was keeping a pretty good eye on this fight and scoring it. So I, I feel pretty confident about like a 113, 115-113-ish, 117-111. That's not good. That's not good. Not good at all. Going forward, uh, I don't think this Vasily, Vasily Lomachenko can beat Devin Haney. If Devin Haney can get down and make 135 again, I think he wipes the floor with this Vasily Lomachenko. And I don't think I I think it's kind of a widespread. Now, if he gets back in the ring and you know gets this was kind of his you know tune up fight and he gets himself back in training right away, which he usually does, it could be a different story. But if that Vasily Lomachenko gets in the ring with Devin Haney, Devin Haney wipes the floor with him. I did watch some of the UFC. I did not pay enough attention to it to even tell you remotely. Uh, other than Calvin Cater, I don't know what he did to his knee, but he blew out an ACL or something, I bet. Um, he was unable to finish the fight. <clears throat> he did something to his knee, and it, it dinged up. So um, I didn't see if they if they mentioned what it was. But I had a decent time watching those fights. Um, Max Griffin, Tim Means, that was a decent fight. There was uh, Waldo Cortez Acosta fought Jared Vandera. There was a stark difference in athleticism in that fight, I will say. But it was a decent, it was something good to have on in the background. So, yeah, that's all I got for the fight game. Nothing big for UFC this weekend. Next weekend, the 12th, is the uh, UFC 281. Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira. Carla Sparzan, Wei Zhang, Dustin Poirier, Michael Chandler. So, decent card uh, coming up for that. Boxing, I don't think we got anything too good in, in, you know, in the upcoming minutes now that we've been just blowing fights apart that uh, should have been happening. But uh, Jana Beck, that's November 12th. That'll be a little interesting. Yeah, nothing this week. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm an idiot. This weekend. Dimitri Bivol versus Gilberto Zerdo Ramirez. That's going to be an afternoon fight, which is even better. So we'll see if uh, Bivol can keep his uh, his winning ways going as he fights Zerdo. That should be a fun fight. Uh, that's on zone in the afternoon, so that that's a good fight. I can't believe I forgot about that one. But yeah, that'll be uh, that'll be a good one. That'll probably be the most uh, most of the fight stuff I watch over the weekend. So we will follow up next week on that. The World Series. 
will be starting very shortly as I record this. Uh, just getting ready for game three. They are headed back to Philadelphia. Let's recap. Let's recap. What a game, that first game. What a game. Just another enjoyable baseball game that I watched. I can't believe it. Like, it just keeps happening. I keep enjoying the shit out of watching baseball. The uh, the Phil, uh, sorry, the Astros <coughs> uh, go up 5 nothing to start the game. Uh, and then here comes the Phillies. They come roaring back. There is an absolutely wild catch by Nick Castellanos. A sliding grab out in right field to, to send the game into extras where the Phillies end up winning 10. Excuse me, in 10 innings, 6-5, to five, just a fun-ass game. I, again, enjoyed the hell out of it. What a great way to start. The Phillies get the win. Astros bounce back, though. They bounce back in game two, you know, got off 5-0, got out early. Uh, turns out, though, I saw this on the tweeter, the tweeter, the twatter, that, hang on, let me find it. You know me, I like to lose things as soon as I know what I'm looking for. So this was from the 29th, so yeah, this was... About right before game two would have started, correct? Yes. Per Fox, Martin Maldonado used a bat last night. Albert Pujols sent him that the MLB considers not within the rules. It was grandfathered in for Pujols because he had been using it prior to 2010. So now Martin had to go back to using his actual bat. I don't know what the actual ramifications are of this, but... You know, consider me shocked the Houston Astros are doing some questionable things outside the rules. They may or may not be cheating again, if you will. But, you know, oh, oh, oh well, they uh, they get game two. They go up 5-0 again. They go 5-0 through the fifth. Phillies had a couple of chances. They, they loaded the bases at some point in the back half of the game. Astros got out of it. They scored a couple runs but couldn't couldn't bring it all together. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, I bet, I mean, I was still watching, you know, hanging out Saturday night, watching both the, the Phillies game and the boxing, you know, Friday was hanging out, watching the Phillies game. It was good times, man. Good times. I've enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to game three tonight back in Philly. And another thing I love about the world series, I love this part so much and it's a baseball thing. So I get it. Like other sports won't do this, but there are no breaks, only travel days. They play Friday, Saturday, breaks on there. Going Monday, and then they're going yet yeah, today. They're going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, break Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I love it. I absolutely love it. The only days is when they don't then they don't play is when they travel. I think it's great. I think more sports should adopt it. You can play a fucking basketball game and back to back nights. Hockey, I don't know. They play a lot of games and a lot of days anyway throughout the season, but basketball for sure. Those dudes can play back-to-backs, and they can get those series done quicker. Just a thought. Just a thought. But, yeah, excited to see uh, see the games in Philly tonight. Looking forward to that, like I said, right around the corner here. So, let's go Phillies. Phillies in six was the prediction from both myself and Ethan Sexton. So, let's, uh, let's see if that can happen. So, go Phils. All right, partner. You know what time it is. Time for those passing thoughts. That's what time it is. I have to go listen to some Limp Biscuit tonight. You know? Limp Biscuit is rocking the set. All right. Um, so I had 
one of the most amazing things pointed out to me in my entire life. At a brewery Saturday, and the roommate says to me, turn around, there's an eight-year-old with a pacifier. I was like, what? No way. I'm like, this kid's not going to be eight. She's exaggerating. It's going to be like a four-year-old, maybe. Kid may have been ten. Just sitting there. Sitting there in a brewery with her parents. Sucking on a fucking pacifier. Un-fucking-believable. I mean, at least eight. This kid was at least eight. I trust the roommate's age, kind of age I. She's a you know first-grade teacher, so she's a about the age range she's in. There it is. A fucking eight-year-old sucking on a pacifier out in public. And when I turned around, at first I was like, don't stare. Just spin around and you know, do the quick scan of the room. See what happens. Like 10, 15 minutes later, I'm like, no fucking way. I'm like, I, I, she's sitting behind me. I'm like, there's no fucking way this is happening. And I turned back around. And I looked, and I like, I like, couldn't help myself. I was like, I fucking like, like, just kind of stared for like a second. And I, the fucking kid, like, covered, covered her mouth. It's like, yeah, no shit. Maybe you shouldn't be sucking on a fucking pacifier if you're that fucking embarrassed about it. God damn, the things you see in the world, the things you see. Speaking of things you see in the world, I went to what used to be my favorite brewery. Now, this brewery has since built a bigger, newer, nicer building with a rooftop bar, good open seating, full restaurant. At the time when I was going to this one, it's just in a little storefront. They had a little food. They would do things like, you know, little appetizers, cheese curds, you know, soft pretzels, things of that nature, popcorn. Now, I go in there. We're going to stop there for a drink and then go to dinner. We sit down at the bar. They also have a line of people who are sitting elsewhere in the establishment. And they have a little little porch outside where a couple people are sitting. Because it's up in Looney Land and people are still sitting outside because of the vid. But I digress. So we sit down at the bar. And I kind of see the bartender make eye contact with us. But there's a couple of people who are standing in line. So I'm like, hey. They're going to get them first. Then, I mean, Boomer is aggravated about this. So then, we're still sitting there, and she serves the first couple people. And then more people show up to that line. A couple more. And I'm like, okay, they got here after me. So now I'm starting to get pissed. We're like five minutes in at this point. And I'm like, this is, this is annoying. This is really annoying. Then there's a break where there's not someone there for like a minute or two. And she just keeps her back to us the entire time. Then a couple more people come back in the line and she goes right to serving them. And by the time like that happens, we're like 10 minutes in now. And I'm like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, I'm just not going to get served. Just sitting there at the bar, right in front of her face. It's not like it's a big bar. There's maybe 10 seats on the entire thing. Where the line is, is two seats down from us. There is no chance in hell. Like, she didn't realize we were there. She saw us. Nothing. Not a, hey, I'll be with you in a second. Oh, hey, we serve out of this line. Or, like, what could I get you? Just the worst service 
I've ever seen. Like, didn't even acknowledge me. I sat there for 10 minutes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I mean, I wasn't going to spend a million dollars in there, but we were going to have a couple drinks. I was going to get, I was going to get a, you know, a six pack to go. Would have gotten a decent little tip out of it for fucking 30 minutes of just, you know, pouring me a drink. But nope, couldn't even, couldn't be bothered. Couldn't be bothered. Fucking people. A couple of movies, a couple of movies I watched this week. Watch Let's Be Cops. Has Damon Wayans Jr. and I forget what that guy's name is. Nick. It's Nick and Coach from New Girl. And they play the exact characters that they are in New Girl. Jake Johnson plays Nick in New Girl. Him and Damon Wayans are, Damon Wayans Jr. are in Let's Be Cops. Funny movie. They are the exact same characters that they are in New Girl. I was watching. I'm like, oh, this is Nick and Coach from New Girl. So that it was still still a funny movie. Uh, another good movie I saw, The Heat. The Heat. Funny movie. Sandra Bullock, Melissa McCarthy. Everybody. Everybody is in this movie. I, I had to start making... At first, I was like, what is going on? Marlon Wayans. The guy who played Biff Tannen. Michael Rapaport. The blonde chick from Always Sunny. The dude who plays David Wallace from The Office. Bill Burr is in it. The guy who plays Ellen's husband from All Mankind. That one's probably more just for me. He's in it. Taryn Killam, who is the wife, uh, the, the wife, the husband of Colby Smolders. Colby Smolders played Robin Trubatsky in uh, How I Met Your Mother. And she's in the Marvel movies as like uh, uh, Sam Jackson's right-hand chick. And Gabe from The Office. All in this movie. Also, very funny movie. It's Melissa McCarthy, right? Let me not let me not screw this up. Let me not screw this up. Definitely Sandra Bullock. I know how her name is pronounced and said and spelled. Yes, Melissa McCarthy. She's hilarious. I love her. She's great. She's great. Uh, ooh, more movie TV stuff and movie stuff. Jack Ryan season three. That's coming out in December 12, 21. The trailer for that looked pretty good. I saw this little thing just scrolling through like Facebook or Twitter. Joe Montana used to call his wife from the sideline, like of the, you know, the phone to talk up to the, you know, the box back in the days. It was like, just like the phone in your kitchen with the wire and everything. And he said, he just got thinking one day. He's like, I wonder if this thing gets an outside line. So he dialed nine and next thing you know, he got a dial tone. So he called his house and he'd be like, Hey, what's up, honey? She's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm calling you from the sideline. Did it during the Super Bowl. She's pretty fun. I don't know. I thought that was pretty funny. I also learned, and I'm I'm blown away by this. The Kings of Leon, the band, are from Nashville. Blown away. I thought they were like from Britain or something. Nope. Nashville. Bunch of brothers from Nashville. Never had a clue. Never had a clue at all. I always thought I, I could have sworn they were from England. They grew up in Oklahoma and Tennessee. Their father was a United Pentecostal church preacher. One was born in Oklahoma. Next two born in around Memphis, Tennessee. One attended high school in Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of guys from Tennessee and Oklahoma. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it at all. 
Interesting. Speaking of songs, I got thinking. What would, you know, if you, I was, I was always wondering, what would your WWE entrance song be? I, w- I would love to know what other people's are. But I think mine would be Zero by Smashing Pumpkins. I think that's one. Because you got to come out, it's got to start hard. You can't have something build like, I understand man's awesome, but you don't have the 40 seconds to build. It's got to hit and you got to go. So I'm sticking with that. I'm sticking with it. What else did I have here? Oh, midterms are coming up here shortly. And and not to get political. I love the night of elections, just sitting and watching election coverage. I, it's like sports to me. It's like, ooh, who's winning this? Who's winning that? Who's doing well in this district? I find it so enthralling. So I will sit in my basement, have a nice bourbon, and just kind of chill, hang out, and watch election results come in. And I think it's fucking fantastic. I'm enthralled by it. I guess while we're there. I was scrolling through something <clears throat> and saw... I don't even know what it is. I take these screenshots and I forget like what context is of it. And uh, it was a Facebook thing. And someone commented on it about... Fe- something to do with female. And this lady comments, female what? What kind of female animal are you? Because we don't call women females. Huh? What? We don't M- Males and females isn't the thing now? I'm so confused. I get more confused every day. But I, I thought males and females was, you know, at least somewhat still accurate. But guess not. A uh, couple other memes. A couple other memes I liked. <laughs> Someone... Put this one. I I love this one. It's a picture of Mariah Carey in the Santa suit from the All I Want for Christmas is You video. And the ice, it's like she's behind ice and the ice is cracking. And it says, y'all better enjoy Halloween while it lasts because she's defrosting right now. You know that song's coming. I love that song, but you know it's coming. You know it's coming. And this one just happened. This was a new, very new one. This was from Pardon My Take. Cardinals 0-1 since the new COD came out, and it is showing a picture of Kyler Miller, Kyler Murray faded in with the rust map, and because that was the whole thing that he was playing too many video games and not studying his playbook enough, so that's why they put that that clause in his contract originally that it came out. So love a good shot at them. 0-1 since the new COD came out. Couple of a couple of food things. Made some breakfast burritos this weekend. Just very simple egg burritos with a little cheese, onion, and then we did a uh, a mix of some chimichurri with some sour cream. Just absolutely delicious. And I love one of my favorite meals is for breakfast or lunch, just some toast, and you make some over easy eggs, and you chop them up, and you get a nice gooey thing you can put on the toast. Just scoop a little on your toast, and you have a, an egg toast sandwich. Love it, love it. Now, my man, Dakota Roof, he's out there telling me, he's out there telling me that Dot's honey mustard pretzels are better than the original, and I got to disagree with him. He uh, He's ducking me in trying the originals before I post this, so we'll have to just, uh, we'll have to follow up with that. But Dot's originals better than the honey mustard. I'm sorry, I, I have to agree with, disagree with anyone who thinks that honey mustard is better. Closing time, everybody. Just just another thank you before we close this show up. As always, I appreciate everybody. I'm always blown away by the support and 
you know, not only just my friends, my family, but other countries. Other countries are supporting us. So thank you guys. I appreciate all the support. We're back next week. We got a fight to cover. We got hockey to cover. We got college football to cover. We got the NFL to cover. We may have a World Series champion. We don't know. We don't know. Actually, wait. We do. Do we know? We're delayed. As as, as things have we've been delayed a game. So Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday break. Friday, we should have a World Series champion. Yes. Yes. Big thanks to all the listeners and a bigger thanks to Coach Jeff Slanovic for coming on and joining us. Go after you Devils. So moving forward, we're going to be keeping our eyes on those Devils, seeing if they can put together a nice season here this year. So thank you, guys. Thank you, everybody. Always, you know, the thanks to Coach Slanovic this week and thanks to all our guests. So much appreciated. We'll be back next week. Until then, peace.